every world became a garden, and for every garden there was a shepherd, and for all the shepherds, a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path, light the way where I wish to roam, across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome back to The Lost Tribe. We continue this week with the reading of chapters 17 and 18 of the second book, Sins of the Father. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivory. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share to keep me bringing the story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 17 We think it will work. There was a stunned silence in the room. Casey and I were packing up some things after Henry Decoe went downstairs to talk over what I had told them. Casey had asked me, point blank, how I intended to defeat Manon, and I told her. I wasn't surprised at her reaction. Even I had my doubts. What do you mean you think it will work? Apostos says that, based on how he's able to draw the essence out of one being and put it into another, that it should be kind of the same thing for the darkness. It makes sense, right? Holy hell, Mick! And how exactly are you going to store that darkness? Hmm, that's the part you're not going to like, I said, looking at my boots. Casey considered it for a moment and grinned at me. Inside you. I nodded. Well, that's just plain stupid. What's to stop all that darkness from corrupting you utterly? I'm hoping that the sword will be enough to fight against its influence. It's worked so far. Aw, oh, this is a bad idea. Why are you so eager to throw away your life? What about me? This is one of those things I just couldn't handle right now. I tried to keep things easy between us, but I loved Casey and was hard to make these decisions without her. All the same, I felt I had to. After all, I contain the essences of both light and dark, and I intended to use them both to free us all. How could I think about myself when the worlds were going to end? If I can get rid of the darkness and defeat Menon, then I'll have a bargaining chip to use with Father. Don't you see that I'm trying to save us all? At the cost of your own life? Every time, Mick. Every time it's you on the hook for it. Aren't you tired of playing the fool? I'm no fool! I shouted back at her. Casey backed off grabbed her pack off her cot, and went over to the freight elevator. Where are you going? She pulled the gate over and stepped inside. Somewhere to think! The gate closed. The elevator headed down to the main floor. I shouldn't have got so mad. I couldn't tell her how dangerous what I was doing really was. Absorbing the darkness from all my friends, and store it inside me? Cancer, and a box. The pressure was on, and Manon was ahead of us on this road to Armageddon. Either the pressure was getting to me, or it was changing because I was overloaded inside. Whatever it was, I had to get a hold of myself. If I lost Casey, this would all be for nothing. What's the point in saving the world when the world was only worth saving because of who lives in it? It was selfish to think that way, but it's the truth. The elevator started up again. I stood in front of the elevator greeter. Maybe she'd cooled off. It opened. Henry stomped out and poked me in the chest. Are you out of your mind? She told you. Oh, she told me. Between cursing your crazy ass, I clearly remember something about taking the darkness out of us and putting into you. It'll work, Henry. You're an inventor, right? A damned good one. 
he said, cooling down a bit and pulling out a smoke. Think of it as an energy transfer from one storage container to another. The mechanism, apostos, regulates the flow and makes sure the connection isn't interrupted while it's being transferred. <laughs> Don't patronize me, Mick. Speaking my language doesn't make it sound any less dangerous. Men all use the darkness to rot apostos to the core. How do you expect to not have that happen to you? He won't have to hold on to it forever, just long enough to give me time to find Menal, and use it to stop him. We don't even know where he is. We'll find him. Huh, Henry said, looking over my shoulder. I turned around and looked outside. The warehouse we lived in overlooked the waterfront on one side, and large parking lot on the other for the attractions at the pier. It was empty this time of night. The street lights were turning off, one by one as we watched. It wasn't dawn yet. I ran over to the window. The lights weren't turning off. They were shattering. Did you feel that? Henry muttered. Feel what? Oh! Some of the gear on the table started rattling. I could feel the vibration under my feet. An earthquake? Get down! Henry screamed and tackled me to the floor. The windows blew inward in a shower of glass. The force that hit them drove the shards into the walls. I would have been reduced to chunks if Henry hadn't grabbed me. What the hell is going on? Where are the others? Downstairs, last I saw, Henry replied. I was about to rise when a small tremor shook the building slightly. Then another. And another. I crept up to the window ledge, dragging Henry over with me. On three. Henry nodded. One. Two. Henry and I stuck up our heads to look out. We saw what was causing the tremors. We retreated. I think we're in a lot of trouble. Oh my yes. The thing in the parking lot was nearly ten feet tall. It was a giant, dressed in golden armor that was very familiar, with a lion emblem etched on the breastplate. He had long red hair and a great beard that spilled over his chest like molten lava. He bore a very large, ornate axe in each hand, and he was looking around out there with glowing golden eyes, grinning broadly. Oh. What? Perhaps this was not a great time to move in. Who is that? Our brother Noxos. He's father's enforcer. I thought that's what you did. I died. He does not waste much time. So he's your replacement? Apparently. He looks pretty nasty. He looks tougher than you. H how does that work? I'm supposed to be subtle. He mostly destroys the subjects of father's wrath. Whereas I just send him away. He especially enjoys crushing those who have a certain trait more than any other. And what would that be? Disobedience. Lycona said, chiming in. The blade of a giant axe head crashed through the wall five feet behind us, and we went flat to the floor as half the building started to give way. Chapter 18 He hated being in chains more than anything, and Manon knew it. Falkyr lifted his arms and felt the weight of the shackles. They were strong. 
There was no portal that would get him away from this. He was beginning to think he'd chosen the wrong side. They had him chained on one of the supporting pillars of the temple, near enough to the base so it couldn't rise up fully to his feet. He wanted to get away from this place now that he had heard the voice of something unspeakably powerful coming up from the chamber where Penny and Manal had spoken together. His jailer and former lover, Flesh, had been the one to lock him up. She was lost to him now, perhaps forever, unless he could find a way to free her from Manon's power. From where he was chained up, he could see the grand stairway that led up from the dungeons below, and the outer perimeter of the jungle around the pillars that made up the majority of the temple grounds. The air was very still, and was heavy with moisture. It would rain soon, probably the kind of deluge that was common in places like this. All he had were his clothes and his boots. They had taken everything else. Everything they could see, anyway. The wolf lurked underneath his skin, tempting him to lash out and become strong enough to break these chains. But Manon would kill him in short order if he tried that. Speak of the devil. Manon stood up from the stairway and began to walk towards the jungle. Flesh followed, pulling a chain up from below. Someone was being dragged. Jack stumbled up into the light, his face bruised and his hand shackled to the chain in Flesh's grip. She yanked him along as she followed Manon. Jack was the only one to notice Valkyr. He looked confused by the circumstances, but made no other actions. Flesh pulled him forward. Felker moved as close as he could from his shackles to see what was going on. Manon stopped. Flesh pulled Jack up to her and pushed him to his knees. Bring them to me, Jack, as we discussed, Manon said. After all, you want to see Penny again, don't you? I don't know what you've done to her, but I will make you suffer if she's any less a person I knew. He said the last, turning his gaze to Flesh, who said nothing in return. If Penny had been the focus of Menon's power like Flesh had been, then Jack was in for a shock when Menon reunited them. Falker hated Menon for his lies and his manipulations. His use of Falker's father's image in his dreams when they first met seemed more and more appropriate. His father had known all the strings to pull to make him dance when he was weak. For that reason alone, he had resolved to find a way to kill Menon. All of them had desired power and the death of their enemies, but not like this. Manon was dangerous in a way that defied the boundaries of their conflict. Falker knew what he would do if he got free of his control. I'll do what you ask, Jack said. His eyes glowed. What was he looking for? Falker thought this world was deserted. He watched as the jungle parted behind Manon, and several dozen people in business suits and casual clothes stumbled forward, their faces drenched in sweat, but otherwise but otherwise blank. Falkir saw that their eyes were glowing. Jack had them. But where the hell did they come from? The answer became obvious as a small team of wolfmen moved in after them and surrounded the group. Flesh brought imports, and Manon was looking them over. Yes, that'll do, Manon said. I believe that where they come from, they would be called takeout. Lash them to the pillars, Flesh, as we discussed. Manon turned from the crowd and walked over to Falkir. Come to gloat over whatever mad scheme you've hatched. No, but thank you for the compliment. I just thought I'd let you know that you're going to have company. Not for long, mind you, but for the time being, enjoy. He was about to reply when Flesh pushed a man into view and bound him to the pillar next to me. He was dressed in overalls and had a slight beard and sunglasses. A cap was pulled down over his head. He said nothing as Flesh chained him up. Manon noticed his rapt attention towards the man. Hungry, are we? As a matter of fact, yes. Falkir was hungry, but the situation had just changed considerably. For the first time, Flesh nodded at him from behind Manon and pressed one finger to her lips. He struggled in his chains. Come on! Just one! I'll be quick and I'm much better behaved when I'm fed. 
I'm afraid not. I have use for these people that transcends your petty love of the long pig Falkir. <clears throat> There's no accounting for some people's taste. Manon turned away from him and addressed the others. Hold these people here and keep an eye on Jack while I bring Penny up for the festivities. They are not to be harmed. See, Jack? I keep my promises. Just as long as you know that I will, too, Jack replied. Manol laughed and went down the stairway to the dungeons. Falkir looked over to the man chained beside him on the other pillar. He looked over to Falkir as well, his dark eyes peeking out from over his sunglasses. Flesh came over to them, bringing Jack with her. How long do we have? the man asked. Ten minutes, perhaps, Flesh replied. Jack did a double take and almost lost control of the people that Manon had kidnapped. Oh shit, you? The man became silvery, translucent, and the chains fell to the earth as he did a quick flip to his feet. Otomo took off the cap and sunglasses and tossed them aside. In a split second, Flesh's sickles were in her hands. Falkir was about to tell her to stop, but she whirled around, away from them, and killed the wolfmen, her children, in quick succession. You should have waited, Otomo. I didn't want to do that. Otomo shrugged. If we're getting out of here, we better go now. I'm not going anywhere with you, and I'm not leaving without Penny, Jack said. Then stay, Otomo replied. You'll be very missed. Flesh unlocked Falker's chains. He smiled at her, rubbing his wrists. She smiled back at him. We're all going together, she said. Falker stood up and hauled Jack to his feet. It's either we all go now. Or none of us get out of here alive. You know he's going to destroy us, sooner or later. Jack's face twisted up. He was on the verge of tears. Sickening. I can't leave her. Suddenly, there was screaming all around the circle as Jack accidentally released his control over the hostages. A number of them began to scream and whimper as they realized that they'd been taken. The window to get out of here just got shortened. There was a distant howling down in the tunnel and they all turned to look at the stairway. Otomo began to make complicated hand gestures in the air, opening a portal. We need to go. A roaring that sounded like the rush of water sounded up from the tunnel. A second later, a black cloud of darkness exploded from below and began to grow solid. Manon stepped out from the cloud, wisps of blackness clinging to him as his form became solid. No one is leaving. Flesh put her hand out on her chest over her heart, smiled and tossed Falkir Jack's chain. Their eyes locked and he knew what she was going to do. Falkir pulled Jack with him, fighting his instincts to stay with the woman he loved. Bigger things, her eyes had said. She leapt at Manon, her sickle still wet with the blood of her children, and began to cut at him. He laughed as the blades dug into him, and he grabbed at her. Falkir watched, his teeth clenched as they went, tumbling down to the tunnel. No! We can't leave! Jack sobbed. You don't have the market cornered on suffering, asshole! Falkir replied moving towards the portal. The world inside the portal was all night and city lights. From somewhere close inside, he heard a huge rumbling. There was some kind of explosion. This doesn't seem like much of an escape, he said to Otomo. Come on, he shouted, moving into the portal. Falkir pulled at Jack again, wondering if he'd ever see flesh alive. Jack resisted him, but went through after enough pulling and a couple good shots from Falkir. A cold wind blew on that other side. Once again, thank you all for listening and tuning into The Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father. Join me next week when the story continues. 
And remember to follow this podcast and share it to keep the story going.